Welcome to the Travel Tales Podcast. The winners are the, the people with the most stories. One of the great things about traveling is the people that you meet. I've slept in bus stations, like yeah. I've slept on people's floors. And it's already on fire, and then there's just a gigantic, huge explosion, like out of a Hollywood movie. It's not right or wrong, it's just different. We hired like 10 Chinese prostitutes to come be our audience. We were kidnapped by nuns in Puerto Rico. <laughs> not a good idea to be high when you're packing. You forget a lot of stuff. I got swine flu. By the time you've lived through it, it's just a good story. Hey everybody, welcome to the Travel Tales Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Siegel. Thanks for listening. My guest today is Nate Ritter. And before we get to Nate, here's a few announcements. First, our website is TravelTalesPodcast.com. You can go there, see photos of our guests. You can see links to their social media. You can see stories that some of the guests have written. You can see stories that I've written. You can see links to our social media. And that is, of course, Travel Tales Podcast on Instagram, Travel Tales Pod on Twitter. We have a Facebook page. Follow us. Give us likes on all those things. And on our site, you can also see links to Stitcher Radio and Apple Podcasts. We're on Spotify, iHeartRadio, basically anywhere you get your podcasts. So please subscribe, give us a like, give us a thumbs up, maybe say a few nice things, because if you give us a good rating, that helps more people find the show, and it boosts our presence there, and that's a cool thing to do. You want to write me like today's guest did, or actually his people did, but still, they reached out, and I responded. They wrote me at TravelTalesPodcast at gmail.com. That's TravelTalesPodcast at gmail.com. Well, we're back to having guests. Back to the old days of the Travel Tales Podcast. And by old days, I mean two episodes ago. Because last episode, I had a little I had a little anniversary episode. Just me talking. Me opening my guts. Well, not really, but still. I was a little personal last, last week. Celebrating 10 years and 300 episodes. A few people wrote me after the show and said uh, they enjoyed it. And some just said they were fans and keep up the good work. And I appreciate it. I always love it when people reach out to say nice things. It reminds me I'm not talking into the void. There are a million podcasts out there. I know it. There's a lot of people out there talking you could lend your ear holes to. So I'm glad you're lending your ear holes to me. But like I said, you can write me at TravelTalesPodcast at gmail.com like Nate Ritter's people did. Now, Nate has a new website. A new travel site. And you know I love travel. And the only thing I like more than travel is cheap, inexpensive travel. And the only thing I like more than cheap, inexpensive travel is free travel. Well, Nate's not giving anything away for free, but he is showing people great deals on hotel rooms. He started a site called roomsteals.com, spelled just like it sounds, roomsteals, like I stole your room, roomsteals.com. And he'll explain how it works. But basically, you get hotel rooms... At wholesale prices, basically you get the deals that the insiders get. And he doesn't get a cut. Room Steals doesn't get a percentage or a commission. They get a subscription. It's a membership. A cost go of a booking site, if you will. And he'll explain this in uh, more detail as we talk about it. But we did a Zoom chat. Nate and his wife and kids all live in San Diego. Just down the I-5 apiece from me here in Los Angeles. You can follow him on all the formats. Room Steals is pretty much everywhere. Roomsteals.com is the main site. He's room steals on Instagram and Twitter. If you believe, like me and Nate, that hotels charge too much, which let's face it, they do, I'm always looking for an edge. And room steals seems like another pretty good weapon in the war against getting gouged on the road. So I enjoyed meeting Nate, and I hope you enjoy our conversation. From roomsteals.com, here's Nate Ritter.
So Nate, Room Steals. How is Room Steals different than any other booking site out there? All right. So the big difference is that every other booking site that's out there, like the booking.com, Expedia's, and all those kinds of things, they have what we call retail rates. And that's the simple version is the online travel agencies and the hotels came to an agreement like 10, 20 years ago and said, anything that we put out online is going to have to have the same rate. We're not going to disagree. Now, there are some small caveats there. You might find little bits and pieces, but generally speaking, they're pretty close to the same rates. However, the hotels split up their inventory and hold back a bunch of stuff. And some of that is wholesale rates. And some of it is used for other things like contracts with, say, big companies. Well, these wholesale rates, all you have to do is be a part of a group to have access to it. Long story short, I made the world my group. And so now anybody who gives us their name and email can have access to it. And so instead of doing the model where you take a commission, where online travel agencies like Expedia and Booking, they either take a commission or they take margin. But that margin can be a really big difference between the wholesale and the retail rate. And same, and the commission is 18 to 20%. But instead of taking any transactions on any of the bookings, we are kind of like a Costco model. We make zero. Well, Costco makes a little bit. But we make zero on the transaction. And we make all of our money on the membership. And our membership is $95. So once you find something that beats $95 worth of wholesale to retail kind of price difference, it makes all the sense in the world to be a member. And then it's kind of all you can eat from that point forward. So you can book as much as you want and we don't charge any extra transaction fees. So it's 95 a year. 95 a year. 95 a year. Okay. I mean, well, if you book it right, I mean, you should make that up in in one booking, really. Yeah. And some folks have made a ton more than that in savings. Like we had a company who um, who had been a member for a while and they booked their whole um, their whole company to go to Las Vegas they saved, not spent, saved $4,000 on just those, like, I think it was six people's bookings. So, and we have other members who have gone to Italy and spent, you know, for seven nights and saved $700 and others who go for three days, three nights and two nights, and they're saving three and $400. So it's not all the time. It's not everywhere, but when you find it, man, the deal is so worth it. So So you're basically, when you say you get the wholesale rate, does that mean that these are rooms that would have gone to giant blocks like, say, conventions or corporations or something like that? It could. Yeah, that's kind of one of the... So I'm not sure how much... Uh, it, it, have you ever done like um, like credit card churn hacking or points or in miles oh, yeah. airlines? And I've interviewed okay. many. So, okay. All right. So you probably... You and your audience have probably heard this before. The In the airline industry, they chop, the airlines chop up their... their um, uh, their airline, their flight, right? So into chunks. So you have your first class, you have your economy class, your premium economy, your basic economy, whatever all that they're called. But then they chop them up into smaller bits and pieces where you, you know, if you have points, you can book only like say four seats on that airplane for whatever that point value is that you're looking to get and so forth. Well, a similar kind of idea happens in hotels. It's just, they don't tell anybody about this, but it's all chopped up. And some of it they'll hold for themselves and they're put put on the Marriott.coms of the world on their own website. Some of it they'll hand out to online travel agencies like Booking.com and Expedia and so forth. And others they'll hold for other reasons. And there's a whole myriad of reasons why. Some of it might be Verizon has a, a deal with them and they want the a certain rate all the time. And so they kind of save save one room or two rooms or something just in case a Verizon booking happens or something like that. And that's a particular rate. Others might be for activities for hotel brokers, for events, for all kinds of stuff. And one, you know, 
the fight in the back that I mentioned that I was referring to that happened back in the day with the online travel agencies and the hotels all happened because they used to bundle these things together and then hand it over to like an activity person, like broker. And so maybe they bundled it together and said, uh, airfare, hotel, and this activity and a car all comes for $2,000 or something like that. But there's a little piece of the pie for everybody in that. Everybody makes a little bit of margin. The online travel agencies decided, well, we're going to chop it all up and we're going to sell them separately and we're going to keep the margin. Well, when that happened, they got in that fight that I mentioned. And, and then eventually they said, no, no, we can't do that. But what we will do is we'll hold off and still do what we want to do with those kind of like compilations or aggregations of services. And we'll still, we'll still make that happen, but you have to know who the user is. And so it's called a closed user group. Well, then the next evolution of that is, well, okay, we'll break that up too. And so now it's, now that piece is broken up. Well, that piece is actually where that, that chunk of the hotel inventory that is part of a closed user group is the inventory that we have access to. So all we have to do is know who you are. And then we give you the, the ability to basically take advantage of the kind of chopped up rates that exist that the hotel's very willing to give, but they want it used for specific purposes. We're just kind of like finding the loophole in that and saying, hey, if anybody could get this $3,000 a night penthouse suite for $300, why don't we give it to them? Everybody else in the industry who has access to these rates, they all push their rates up to something like $2,900 or something. We don't. We just say, you know what? It's 300 bucks. Go for it. Book it all you want. And, and for us, it's about transparency. That's really what we're shooting for. So Okay. I mean, but do the hotels, I mean, are, are they losing out with you? Nope. I mean, otherwise it would go empty? You No, for two reasons. One is we're too small for them to care. Um, and, and the other is even if we became big, we're still playing the, the rules of the game. So the rules of the game that they've put out is you have to know before you can say who the price or what the price is for the specific hotel in this date, you have to know who your user is and they have to be a part of a group. Well, we know every single user because they have to be, they have to come on and be a user before we'll show them any rates. So we're playing their game exactly as, as marketed. And they're, and they're trying to, the other thing too, is they know what, what this wholesale channel is. They're the ones who created it. And so they, if they don't want to play this game, like there are certain places in the Caribbean that don't want to play this game, they just simply don't do wholesale rates. They don't need to. So they just don't play the game. And if that ever changed, that's what they would do is they either up the wholesale rate channel price, or they would just stop putting inventory out on the wholesale rates. But that's, I mean, we're talking 700,000 hotels worldwide that we have access to. Unlikely that's going to happen on a massive scale. Was this something that you started in America and just American hotels or a certain region or to, right off the bat, was it all just like international? It, right off the bat, it was international. It was, oh, wow. Yeah. Seven, we're talking 700,000 hotels play this and that's what's available. And that's what was surprising to me is I saw these same rates in Portugal, in Las Vegas, in Italy. I mean, they're all over the place. And the fact that as a traveler, I come up always looking for those like, loopholes and I, when I found this one working in the industry, I was like, why don't we know this? And all the answers I got back were, well, it's just that way. It's always been that way. I'm like, we, well, let's change that way. Right. So I'm like, I was like super irritated because I'm, you know, I like to travel hack and find those little deals and uh, nobody was giving them to me. Nobody showed, showed me these prices. So I thought, well, then I'm going to do it then. So 
Well, speaking of travel hacking, do any of these prices affect my uh, some, like Marriott Bonvoy status or anything like that? Or uh, do you use points in these kind of things? Or I guess with the lower price, I'm getting fewer rewards points, right? Right. So, yeah. So there are some tricks to that. Generally speaking, they don't like to give any reward points if you book it that way. But so there's a few pieces of the puzzle that we've tried to like change, like manipulate a little bit to make sure that you can get the uh, most options to still go back and get those points. So one is when we, when you purchase on our site, we, uh, the, there's a descriptor on the credit card and we call it hotel accommodations. So for one, if you're using like chase or something that gives you travel points, it doesn't really care where you're spending it. You're going to get those points with, with that. Um, with the brand, um, you can't really use points to book like this because I mean, that would be really, you'd be spending on their site to do that. Um, but in terms of earning points, uh, what I've done in the past and what I recommend everybody do is once you've booked it, the first of all, don't book it unless the, the price makes sense anyway, right? So, so because this is a chance, but once you've booked it, then what I do is I immediately I'll call and say, hey, I, I made this booking, make sure that they have it on, on their docket. And if they do, and then I say, okay, great. Um, can you add my rewards number to that booking? If they say no, which is like probably 20% of the time, I just wait. I'll call back the next day, talk to a different, you know, front desk person, be nice to them. It's amazing what happens with the phone call. And nine times out of 10, I've always had my, my number attached to that booking and I've gotten credit for it. So it still works. You just have to go through the little, the little hoop. So, well, you mentioned the, the extreme case of the family that went to Vegas and saved $4,000. What's a more of a typical thing? Like I just came back from New York and I think, I was staying in Manhattan and it came to about, uh, I want to say the best I could do for a decent place was a little over 200 bucks a night mm-hmm. after taxes and everything like that. And this yeah. is during the week and stuff like that. So what kind of a, what's a typical kind of, not the extreme version, but what's kind of an average kind of savings? If, let's pick New York as, a, as an example. Sure. Well, I can tell you over the course of the last two years of our platform, um, We've kind of averaged out and it looks like around, right around 25% is the average savings that everybody gets. Um, now, I don't know what they're, if they're not booking with us for some reason, maybe there's some space, like maybe they, here, here's an example that where we wouldn't have a great rate. So let's say that you go to an event and there's like this festival going on and it's taking up the entire city, Lollapalooza or Jazz One, Fest Austin in New Orleans, or Mardi Gras exactly. in New Orleans. Mardi Gras. That's a great one. Yeah, yeah. man, that, that's a good place. Um, <laughs> So, so you go there and you try and look for a discounted rate. Well, the entire city, every hotelier knows that's never going to happen. They they can fill their entire hotel with top tier rates. They're not going to put out anything that's wholesale, period, ever for anybody, not for uh, any activity broker, not for any bundling, nothing. They're like, look, we can, their job at that hotel, there's a person who at the bigger hotels whose job is designed to be... Um, What's, what's called a revenue manager. And their job is to balance the occupancy with the revenue and make sure that the total the total that they get is, is as best as they possibly can. So the revenue per room, for instance, versus how much occupancy can they get? How much can they fill up? That's their whole job at the bigger hotels. And so they're going to play this game until there's no reason not to. And when they see a big event come to town or something crazy like that, they're going to just say, you know what, let's charge $400 a night and we're just going to that's the way it's the market works. So in those cases, we're not going to have any wholesale rates. But in other cases, 
where let's take, for instance, Las Vegas is always, they have more hotels than they know what to do with. Right. And so uh, they're always going to have events, but they're, but they're never really citywide unless there's something that's like ridiculously huge. And so generally speaking, you can almost always find a great deal somewhere there. I mean, we've seen people book a hotel room for $15 at like a three or four star hotel for $15. I mean, like, so yeah, these are extreme cases, but they do exist. And that's the thing is like just having access to be able to see the price and book it if you want it. That's really what we're shooting for. And it's more about seeing the transparency than, hey, we're going to save you every single time you book. So it's not necessarily that you're going to save every single time, but I would much rather have the ability to see when I'm going to save $300 on a, on a three night stay somewhere than not. Right. So that's, that's why we're here. That's why we exist. Now do members, do, do they do this through your app? Do you have an app or is it through the site? Yeah, we don't have an app yet. Um, we have a couple, we have three kind of things. One is a Chrome extension and uh, we, the reason why we have the Chrome extension is because what we figure is you're going to try and go, like if you use booking.com or hotels.com or whatever, you're going to probably go do that. Right. So, and that's okay. You might even forget about us and that's okay too. What we want is for you to install the extension. And as you go and browse and do the things that you normally do, we're just going to sit in the background. We're not going to do anything until you show up to a hotel on one of those sites that has dates and uh, a specific hotel in mind. And when that happens, we're going to pop up and it's going to say, here's what the wholesale rate for, and it's generalized for two people. Um, and then it gives you the lowest possible rate. So if you're looking for like a penthouse suite in that hotel for four people or six people, the rate you're going to see is not going to be you know, representative, but you can at least know, Hey, if I look at it and says it's $200 when it normally said 350, there's probably a deal there. You could just click on that button and go over to our site and, and just compare and see like, what are the rooms there? What are, what are the options? So that's one way is through the Chrome extension. The other is you can just go to the site and search and book just like you would. And we'll show you what we believe is the, the true retail rates. Those are always really hard to come by. Um, so we're working on that process to see it, say like, this is what your actual savings are, but it's pretty close. It's pretty, it, it's pretty close to what um, what's out there. So you might want to look at both, like, you know, go to Google hotels or something and just compare back and forth. Um, and the third one is we have a staycation, what we call a staycation alerts or staycation steals. And what that is, is it's the beginning of our alert, alerting email alert process. And what we're trying to do is say, let, let's say that, you want to go to a particular city, maybe with dates. But in this case, what we're, what we're talking about is if you're in your city and you're, you have a significant other or you want to go, go out on a date or whatever and you want this hotel and it's an awesome hotel. But Or let's say that you want to take, take your significant other out and it just happens that you're just, you just never know if that's the right time. What we'll do is we will only send you an email. It'll be on like a Thursday or Friday night. Um, or Thursday or Friday, it'll be for Friday and Saturday booking only. And it will only ever, will only ever email you on that list. If it's 40% off or more and a four or five star hotel. So you're pretty much guaranteed. You're going to save the $95 if you're not a member already, but, uh, that makes it kind of a win-win for everybody, but that way it's like, Hey, you know, I just want something to do on a Friday or Saturday. And it's like, this hotel is like 50% off. Then there's, there's a good option. Right. So that's the kind of three options that we have today. Okay, but is I don't I have no idea what goes into getting an app or making one. Is it it's got to <laughs> yeah. be hard. It's got to be hard yeah. and expensive, right? <laughs> 
Sure. And, and I, my, you know, background is all web-based stuff. So, you know, that's one of those things that we'll have to, you know, pay somebody to yeah. have done. So, yeah. Well, yeah. Well, let's talk about your background now. You've, you've done a, a number of different businesses that I saw. What, uh, were any of them in the hotel industry and in the hospitality industry? No, this is a new one. Um, I started working in the hotel and uh, industry about seven years ago. And that's kind of when I first crossed this path and I didn't really think much of it. I was building a platform for somebody. It was kind of like the Netflix suggestion engine for uh, group-based bookings. And I kind of ran across this inventory and it kind of asked a few questions, but didn't really think much of it. And then I started working for a brokerage company, a hotel brokerage company that brokers for events. And all, and that's where it really became apparent because they use this inventory a lot. And so I started asking a lot of questions and that's when it all came up. And every question, every answer I got was just, uh, in being an entrepreneur, I'm always looking at it like, oh, there's this hole here. Why, you know, like I'm just poking at it and asking and like, everybody's like, no, no, it's, it's not going to work. It won't ever be done. I'm like, great. Will you sign this piece of paper so I can go do it? Then it's, it's one of these days I'm just going to do it myself. So, yeah. So no, I, I hadn't really played in the travel industry. I've done a lot of other things, but, uh, travel was, this is the first, you know. Well, let's talk about the blowback. Has there been any kind of pushback from hotels or travel agents or anything like that? Uh, we've had a little bit. It's been pretty funny, actually. Uh, so we had one hotel that said they wanted to take, you know, get off of our platform. And I said, well, then you have to, you know, you have to go into the, there's a, a system called a GDS, uh, Global Distribution System. And said, you have to go into your GDS and just remove your inventory. And then, and they're like, yeah, but I can't do that because I'm offering it to all these people out. And I'm like, yeah, but we're the same. So you know, and they're like, okay, whatever. We don't care. <laughs> so there was one hotel in two years that we've had do that. Um, and then we've actually had some, it's been really kind of funny um, since we started promoting in the UK and in Europe a little bit. Um, we had some ex, I think it was, I think he was, I want to say Expedia folks who had come to us and said, you know, that you know, these people are not going to like you. And I said, I "I know it's okay. I'm used to it. It's fine. And I just, we just kind of laughed about it and they're like, no, it's great. I love what you're doing, but you just know, you know, the big wigs in the industry, they're already watching you. And I'm like, okay, all right, well, we'll see what happens. So nothing so far, but we know we're being watched, but it's okay. So, but it's the same rules in every kind of, in every country that you've dealt with, or do the regulations and stuff change? No, it's the same rules. I think the the biggest uh, difficulty we have internationally actually um, has a lot to do with how international hotels structure their fees. Um, so a lot of times the stuff that we get, the inventory we get, the terms and conditions and whatnot, uh, or the prices end up uh, like with fees and, and so forth, end up in the terms and conditions as opposed to being transparent in the pricing structure itself. So when we show our pricing structure, it's taxes, fees, and the base rate but it's only a certain number of taxes and fees. If they throw their, their like fees, like Amsterdam and Barcelona put out uh, a new um, fee, a tourist fee for all hotels that you pay at the hotel when you show up, none of that shows up in our pricing. And it's that kind of thing that we don't, and, and some of that happens in the United States, but we have a very specific term for it. And there's actually class action lawsuits going on about it. It's called like their resort fees. Oh. So if you've ever shown up to a hotel and they're like, yeah, we have a $60 night resort. They what got was some, that in the oh, price Oh man, they got uh, some balls, man. Yeah. I was, I was, uh, yeah. <laughs> where was it was in Lake Tahoe or something. They, you know, they charged us, this was during COVID. 
but you know they still charge the resort fee when everything's closed. You can't use right. anything on the resort. <laughs> you know the the pool's closed, the gym was closed, yeah. half the bars yeah. are closed, and you're just like there's no room service. No, I mean, but still that thirty five dollar a night fee or whatever it was there was just it's infuriating. And you like you said, it does take most people by surprise. Um, you got to look at yeah. you really look at your bill. I, I want to say that maybe even Hotels.com and things, maybe they put a warning on it about it, but some places they don't. And a lot of countries, they or they, call, they add the VAT, the V-A-T, yeah. which always yeah. is, a, is a big kick in the ass when you're checking out. It's like, what is this? And, yeah. uh, oh, right, it's a lot. Yeah. I mean, they're in the money. They, you know, they're ma- they've already built their hotel, right? So they've already basically cr- created their expense. Now it's just about trying to figure out how do we recoup the costs, pay for our labor, all that kind of stuff. But realistically, if you look at these wholesale prices, like, I mean, it just tells you how much money is in the industry and how much money some of these hotels, if they're run right, can make. It's incredible. Like if you think about turning over a hotel night it, at an average hotel, let's say it's going to be 30, 40 bucks to turn it over, right? That's the actual cost of putting somebody in the room and then turning it over and then making it ready for the next person. And it's 30, mostly all labor. It's mostly all labor, right? I mean, and, and you, how much are we paying for that? Like 200, 150? I mean, I don't know what the average, like what you pay, but I'll say I'm going to go for like 125, 150 maybe is what approximately I would probably end up paying for myself. Some of these, but if you look at like a penthouse suite, what is the cost to actually turn that over? It's probably somewhere in the range of, let's call it like 80 bucks, 100 if you're really pushing it, like restocking, like all kinds, you know, like 100 bucks. I mean, for what? For $3,000 a night? I mean, they're making money. They're fine, right? They're paying their their mortgage and their property taxes and all that kind of stuff. And that's, but that's already done. They've already, they already know what that cost is. So the variable cost though is, is really inexpensive. And so if you think about it, there's just, there's a lot of money there. And so there, this is just another way that they're trying to, you know, make the bucks and that's yeah, the market. That's how it works. So it's unfortunate. I wish we could, for us in dealing with international and dealing with like domestic stuff, I wish we could put some of the, like find a way to extract this stuff and put it out there. And sometimes it's just really hard. So is there a certain time, like a, a key, like a lot of uh, travel hackers think that's like, oh, uh, 14 days before uh, booking a flight and then you book it on a Tuesday or something, you get the cheapest rate or something. Is there, is it better for, say, your site to do it like maybe last minute or the last minute deals or far in advance or does it matter? Uh, no, it really doesn't matter that much. I mean, I was going to make... <laughs> I was going to tell you, it has to be a full moon. A black cat has to yeah, cross exactly. your path, you know, like, like but no, I, it honestly, I, I think most of those are kind of fables. Like they don't, they, they're not really a thing so much anymore. Even booking, um, is, uh, even booking like um, airfare and stuff, it's not as prominent. I mean, realistically, especially on some of the bigger sites, like we don't have this technology in, in place, but in some of the bigger, bigger sites, They'll even, and some people you, you might have experienced this. You might go to the site one day and, and or one minute and look at the price and then leave and come back and that price will have changed. And you might think, oh, that's market. When reality, it, you know. So I'm a tech guy, right? So I'm a, I'm a chief technology officer for companies. I can tell you that there's a lot of this technology that exists that 
where they're, they know that you've come, you've, you've looked, you've spent X number of times, maybe you've visited another property, maybe you've looked at another thing and they're going to up that rate because they know you're ready to purchase and you've looked at other things. And so just because they can not, you know, now hotels are a little bit different because they have that agreement, like I mentioned, but generally speaking, like that technology exists and it's perfectly legit for them to go, yeah, I guess we'll, we'll attack on an extra 10 bucks or 20 bucks. So no, I don't think that there's a perfect time. I think you're going to, you're fighting against computer algorithms and um, market rates. And I don't necessarily think that there's a, a, a specific day or time or anything like that. I will tell you that like most people, um, I think time of year is probably appropriate most people when they're booking are going to start booking like February or whatever big event is going on. They're going to book roughly 90 days ahead of time. So if you can get ahead of that, you're going to be much, much better off. But um, those are the two really kind of big times a year. Like once, once February hits after that, you're looking at like all the summer moving and like running around and all that kind of stuff. And, and um, any major event is going to be booked out um, starting three months out. So if you can get ahead of those, those you're you're in much better shape. Well, I was wondering if, like on your site, if I wait too long, will there's a chance rooms will run out, right? Just like any place else. Yep. Yep. Okay. Yep. And that's true. And and you know, just as a tip for that one, so we have a particular source of inventory for you know. So if we run out, it's not like the hotel's completely out. If Expedia runs out, it's not like the hotel's out, right? Like, so you can go to other places and probably find something. There, is, there are multiple layers in this industry that most people, it's way more complex than it seems uh, on the surface. So there are multiple players in this industry. And a lot of times what they'll do is they'll buy up groups of hotels, uh, hotel rooms for specific nights that they might think that something's going to be happening um, or it's just a hot travel season. So they'll like, if you, if you think about it this way, if I had access to people who were willing to purchase from me, I could go out and I could secure a bunch of rooms during the summertime in, I don't know, like New Jersey or something, whatever. Like, let's just say that I, I think a whole bunch of people are going to show up in New Jersey. <laughs> so as they I do, buy all these as rooms, they do, as they do. Right. <laughs> right. So, you know, for Snooky, or, I don't know, whatever. Yeah. I'm not pop, pop culture. So I'll probably just <laughs> screwed myself right there. But anyway, so, so I want to go buy all these rooms and that's great. And then I can sit on them. And then if I at least have a way to distribute those out and get people to buy them, I could go ahead and, and push those out to the world after everybody else is all filled out. I own those rooms. So now I could charge whatever price I want. So these are called bed banks and they do this as a, as an industry and they buy these up sometimes at wholesale rates and then they try and sell them. And sometimes they sell them to each other because somebody else thinks they can get a better deal and they just want to offload the inventory. It's like the stock market in travel for hotel rooms. It's weird and crazy. And I didn't know this until about three years ago, but it works. It's there. So if you go to Expedia or booking the practical application here is if you go to one of those sites and they say, Oh, there's only one left. Well, go check the actual hotel site or go check something else, some other website, you might find that that's not truly the case. That might be one left of the inventory that they have access to. That's really what they're saying. And that's what we're saying too, when we say that there's one left on our site, it's because we have one left of it at this rate for these dates at this hotel. That's what we have access to. That's not all together. Might be the best rate. So if it's great, take advantage of it. But it, but if it's average, if it's out there, don't feel panicky about it. Like, has has their system always kind of been this way or just since the internet started or has, does this go back to the 50s? I mean, 
Do they, have they <laughs> yeah. always done these wholesale rates that they trade in between each other? As far as I know, they've done this for a really long time, like long before the internet was around. Um, and But generally speaking, you wouldn't have access to it because they would bundle them. The whole purpose of this stuff was that it was bundled together with other things and then provided to like a tour agency or something so that, so that all the middlemen in between, between the hotel and whoever was the distribution channel to get it to the population, Travel everybody got a little things. cut. Everybody, right. everybody exactly. gets their piece, right. Everybody got their piece. Now that's completely, you can just go straight direct. And that's the fight is right now, what does direct mean? Direct means to the hotel, it means where well, you're coming to us. Well, Expedia and Booking and all these other companies that are so big and make billions, if not trillions of dollars off of these kinds of things, they say direct is them. They're the brand, right? So so now there's the fight between like who actually, quote unquote, like, of course, the owner of the property owns the room, but the dist- you know, these brands are so big, they are still a distribution center. And that's what the hotels kind of like have to fight with. So th- that's why this stuff still exists today. Um, is because everybody still wants a little bit of a piece of cut. It's just less people in between. I mean, no one's, I don't know the last time anybody used a travel agent unless it was really complicated, but uh, I know they still exist and I, you know, we have friends that are, but it's just, you know, they're usually pretty specific for specific reasons now. And it's not like it used to be where that's where you'd buy your stuff. Now, if I'm the hotel, do I make more money uh, booking with big boys like, Expedia or something like that? Or do I make more money with you? Or does it matter? Uh, in the case of the inventory that we have, you as the hotel, would it wouldn't matter. Doesn't matter. Um, so, so here's the funny thing about this particular inventory is Expedia and Booking and all of these other guys are that are really big. They actually, they, they know all this. Like this is not, this is common knowledge to them. And so if you go... Um, so the, the history is they've always gotten paid on commission, like way back in the day, they would get paid on commission. That's how they started. So if you think about how that payment process works and everything, like they're, they're going to take that money after the fact. So you pay all the way through the channel and everything. And they, they, they pay the hotel, all that rate and all that stuff goes to the hotel. Then later they invoice and say, well, we gave you that referral. And so you're going to, you know, now you need to pay us the 18 or 20% or whatever. That was how it used to work. And then they had that whole like fight back and forth. And then they got access to these wholesale channels. Well, now with wholesale, you know, we're talking about, let's say a $200 night hotel. Um, here, here's a prime example, priceline.com. Like if you go to bid there, well, Hold on, I'll 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 deal with that in a second. But but now now these Expedia's of the world have two. Basically, they have two versions of this. They have the commissionable, so they're going to get paid after the fact, or they have the wholesale market. They're doing they're doing algorithms right there that are saying, well, are we going to get paid eighteen percent for this, or do we have access to a wholesale rate where we can get paid more than that, maybe thirty or forty or fifty percent? Let's keep that thirty or forty or fifty percent and sell that person the wholesale inventory, but at a retail rate. So what we're doing is saying, well, here's a wholesale inventory at the wholesale rate and you already paid for your membership. So we're out, right? Like we don't care. We don't, we don't care about anything else. They're taking their, they're making their money off of the margin difference. So we're actually, a lot of times we are selling the same inventory. It's just that we're not putting a margin on top of it. That's the big 
that's the funny weird difference here is it's the same a lot of it's the same stuff now they do have other inventory that i don't have but that's retail inventory or commissionable inventory or other things like that that are going to be at higher rates i don't have access to that um nor do i care to have access to that i'm interested in in the bigger um bigger deals for people and you're making it all you're making all your money on the memberships the the $95 are there different tiers of membership that gets me different things or is nope. it all the same for everyone? It's the same for everyone. We're trying to keep like stay on brand with this transparency, simplicity, like make it easy, done and done kind of a thing. So yeah, we have one membership. Uh, it's 95 a year. That's all there is to it. It's very simple. Well, when did you launch this and how's the response been? We launched, we started building in uh, June of 2019. We launched in, I think I want to say January uh, oh, sorry, June of 2018, launched in January of 2019, was put on like Lifehacker and got a bunch of publicity and everything in February of 2019. And then of course, COVID hits in March. And so, so we flatlined for a year and a half, um, but we did a redesign. We fixed a whole bunch of stuff. We added some features and then we relaunched um, in April of 2020 and we're back to pre-COVID levels. So people are booking um, people are going out and it's, it's, we've been doing great. So, yeah. Yeah. I feel for you, man. There's, there's nothing like launching a travel site right before a pandemic. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, you know how I feel. <laughs> yeah. I know. Yeah. I know. It's, it's good times. Well, good times. did you, you said you had to tweak some things. I mean, at least uh, it, the slowdown gave you a chance to, to work on stuff. What were some of the problems you encountered? What that maybe you didn't see coming? Did you see some things like, boy, I didn't expect this? Yeah, you know, I think, and we're still working on some stuff. I think one of the things that that we're trying to work on, and I was just talking to somebody this morning about this, is, is that international, um, some of those fees, like we're really trying to figure out how do we extract some of this information out of terms and conditions and make that apparent. Um, and, and really with the product, a lot of it was the redesign, trying to simplify things, kind of smooth out our Chrome extension, those kinds of things to just get rid of bugs and stuff that was slowing people down from getting what they want to get done. And that's really just booking. So a lot of it was just making things simpler and simpler and simpler. Okay. Well, yeah. how big of a team are you working with? Myself and two, two co-founders and Ooh, that's it. Man, so, oh man. Yeah. We're trying wow. to keep it slim, but we, ha- we also have some contractors that we worked with um, over the last two years, but um, and, and these are contractors that I've, I've had relationships with for 10 years, I think. But, uh, so when we need them, we bring them in for something heavy, but generally speaking, there's just three of us. How do three people amass info on 700,000 hotels or whatever around the world? Lots of gerbils. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, a lot of this is just, uh, you know, the data is, is there. It's an inventory source that we've, that I've found. And that's really part of the deal is that we have a partner in the back end. It's a vendor. Um, and, and so we tap into that vendor who has that access and we kind of play by those rules and then just kind of put our own front end on top of it. Cool. Well, I'm going to try yeah. this out. I'm very excited about this. And I'm not you. a big I'm not a hotel guy. I've always gone after the flight deals, but I was never like a big hotel guy. If I wasn't staying with friends or, or have it covered, you know, the, uh, New York trip, was not comped, you know, this is on my own. So it's like, Mm -hmm. I don't remember the last time I had to book a hotel room in Manhattan. I lived there for a while and I still (laughs) was there, but this particular time I was like, Oh, I got to book a hotel room. 
And it was eye-opening. Yep. Like, oh, no, this is oh, – <laughs> I had it so good for so long. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. What do you want people to know who are a little skeptical that want to try it out? How do you get them to try it out for yeah. the first time? Can you do, can they do a trial or is it like, nope, 95 bucks and that's it? Yeah, so that, you give them a that freebie, was one of the give them a little – like a drug yeah. dealer, you give them a little taste and then – Oh, yeah, yeah. But can they see rates when they go on or is it just, it's all closed? Yes. No, no, it's, you can see the rates. And that was one of the big changes that we made was that we want we're all about transparency. That's the whole point of what we're doing. It's like these rates have been available to people. It's just nobody decided to open up access. So we're the ones doing it. And so along that same theme, we want people to be able to jump in here, look at the rates and compare and, and then if it makes sense, when it makes sense, we want a win-win-win, a win for the hotel, they're going to increase their occupancy, a win, of course, for us, we want to stay in business and make money, and a win, of course, for the consumer. When that trifecta occurs and we get the perfect storm, that's when you should become a member. Until then, have the Chrome extension, and all, all we really need to be able to give you those rates and show you those things is a login. So if you have an email address and a password, we can show you exactly what those rates are and you can go ahead and compare. And when it makes sense, when you find that smoking deal that's insane that you just can't say no to, then come and book and become a, become a member at that point. Be a $95 a year member at that point. Don't be a $95 member. I don't want your money. Just wait, <laughs> wait until you get to that point. So yeah, I want you to be, be happy that you're saving that kind of money. So Okay. Well, how about your own personal travel tale? And give me your best steal of a hotel room, like the greatest Nate rate you ever got for yourself. Like when you yeah, when well, you were in some sweet pad and you're going, I can't believe I got this for X amount of money. Yeah. Uh, so do you want the hotel room or do you want just in general travel like accommodations? Well, both. Okay. Okay. Both of them were in Paris. Okay. Uh, we, my wife and I are kind of slow travelers. We like to go places and stay for a while. And the first time, well, I, think, I don't know, second, first or second time we had gone to Paris, we, um, through point hacking and doing all these kinds of different things, we managed to get ourselves to a place where we could stay for a month in what effectively was like, it's, I mean, it, it was like an Airbnb sort of situation, but it was a month in, in Paris, just outside of the main circle down, um, uh, what's the name of the uh Champs and yeah and it was right outside of the circle there but so i mean like we're like five minutes from arc de triomphe i mean it was like right there wow and for a month for free we paid uh 250 in taxes because we had an infant that was a lap child and we had to pay the taxes for what would have been that child's ticket for airfare that was it 250 each way for three, I can't remember, three or four of us, everybody else is free. So we paid, so total all in $500, get to Paris from San Diego, stay for a month and come back. And the only thing we paid for was whatever, like, you know, uh, food and entertainment and sites and whatnot. So for 500 bucks for one month, best deal I've ever had. So that was so all, that was, that was that my non-hotel version. Wow. That was all miles and points. Yeah. So the miles and points to fly there. And then we kind of ex did this exchange. There was a startup that was coming out. It was a very similar to, to Airbnb, but it's in Europe. And they were 
kind of doing this weird exchange of points and stuff. And we capitalized on that like crazy and ended up getting there for free. So, yeah. Cool. What about the best rate you ever got on a hotel on your own site? Yeah. So I want to test this one because I want to take advantage of this. I see it all the time. And uh, man, um, so I don't, so the ones that I've gotten aren't amazing though. I'll tell Can I tell you one about somebody who recently got a, uh, one for Disney, a Disney hotel, which nobody ever gets in Orlando that that or here? Yeah. Orlando. Orlando. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Go ahead. So nobody, so, so I've never heard of anybody really getting deals off of, off of Disney hotels. I was actually surprised to see that we had a Disney hotel on our, on our system. And somebody had contacted me and I saw the booking come through and they, uh, they book every year um, with their family and their friends and they go to the same place and they spend something like, I want to say it was $2,000 roughly, $2,000 to $2,500 um, to be at the same hotel every year for like, I want to say it's like a week or two. And I want to say it's a week because um, I think the rates at this place were are exorbitant and, and it's Disney. I mean, it's yeah. crazy. Right. So, so they sent me, sent me an email and they're like, you've got to be kidding me. Please tell me this is real. They saved a thousand dollars off of that booking a thousand bucks and they paid us $95. And I was just like, that's incredible. And so I had to interview the guy. I was like, I was like, hey, you have to tell me like, have you ever seen any deals like this? And he's like, never, 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 never. Disney is one of those places that's like ultra exclusive. And this is one of those hotels that are like really high end and they take care of everything and do everything for you. And they were, they were ecstatic to even have the opportunity. Most of the stuff to answer your question, most of the stuff that I've used has been just kind of like bouncing from city to city. Like when we moved from Austin to San Diego, I stayed using my own stuff. When I went and visited, um, uh, I went up to see the Seattle Sounders play um, the in their their final in the um, the soccer final game, and um, I stayed at a four star hotel. I think it was fifty bucks a night is what it ended up being, and in it was Seattle. during the Sounders finals. Yeah, in Seattle, and it was right downtown. I walked I walked from the hotel to the stadium. So for fifty bucks, I mean fifty bucks. That's amazing. It was pretty great. Yeah. Yeah. So, so they're there. They're, they exist. So, so you yeah. hinted a little about you uh, personally. Are you originally from Austin or what's your background? No, originally from the Pacific Northwest, um, up and down the I-5 corridor between like uh, Seattle and um, uh, Portland, Oregon, uh, mostly in, or mostly in Washington state and just kind of bounced around a ton. Um, and then um, my wife and I got married in, in Bellingham, Washington. So it's real close to the border up in Vancouver, near Vancouver. And um, that's where I went to school. And then, um, and I was already building businesses at that point. And eventually my, my wife was so frustrated with the weather. She was like, my heels are always wet. And whenever <laughs> I walk into the house and she's like, I hate being cold. And I'm like, you know, and I'm thinking like, everybody hates being cold, you know, but she's like, no, she's like, you don't understand. I, I hate being cold. So one day we were like, well, where should we go? And we just thought, we, I just had recently heard that San Diego was a nice place. And we were like, let's go to San Diego. So we packed everything up and just left. <laughs> so we ended up in San Diego for 10 years. And and then we kind of bounced around from there. We went back to the Northwest and then to Austin. And then or back, uh, we went from San Diego to France, back to San Diego, to the Northwest, to Austin, back to San Diego. And now we're... 
Uh, we're getting in, ironically, not getting in a hotel. We are actually getting in an RV and traveling all North America for the next one to two years. So, oh yeah. my gosh. So you, and you have kids. Yeah, we have uh, three. We have an 11, an eight-year-old, uh, both boys, and then a one-and-a-half-year-old girl. So it's going to be entertaining. In an RV? <laughs> yeah, in an RV. Yeah, we decided, we we thought, you know, we don't spend enough time together in close, confined quarters with babies screaming. We thought we needed more. Wow. So. Wow. God bless you. <laughs> if um, So you got a, I guess, you're homeschooling? Yeah, we've been homeschooling for about five years anyway. Um, oh. So we're like... You know, we were like the um, hipster homeschool, like pre-COVID, before it was cool and everything. So you had it down. Once <laughs> lockdown happened, you're like, nah, this piece of cake. Yeah. Oh, it's funny. I, all, all like we had so many people who actually like contacted my wife. Was like, okay, seriously, like, how do you do this homeschool thing? Like, that's like, I don't get it. Like, you guys are crazy. And so she was really kind and helped helped a lot of friends. So, well, the two kids are one, but then with the one and a half year old brother. Man, I hope you uh, hope you got ear earplugs. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. Oh, yeah. For sure. Yeah. We've already we've already we just got back from a six week trip um, in the RV, and and uh, you know we had some learnings. So yeah. We have some things to change around. So, so, yeah. Wow. Okay, yeah. that's a whole different podcast. I'll have to talk to you in a year when you know the yeah. follow up yeah, on the RV trip. Yeah, it's going to be, you know, and that's a funny thing is I, I was meeting people as we were going along and, and, you know, I told a similar story. Yeah. I always talk about like, what, you know, what do you do? And so I'm saying like, oh, I run this company and they're like, you're doing, ho- you're doing hotels, but you're in an RV. I'm like, yeah. And they're like, are you thinking about all of the RV stuff? Like all the problems with the RV space? I'm like every single day, <laughs> like my mind is just going crazy going like, okay, I got to solve for that too. Like, I can't handle this if I'm going to do this for a year or two. So there's def- probably going to be some, I don't know, maybe there'll be something in the works for that too. We'll see. Was there a moment when you went to hell with this place? Let's hit the road. Was it lockdown? Cause a lockdown, yeah. you know, drove a lot of people nuts. Yeah. I mean, we, it drove us nuts. We were, we actually had a plan to go international at that point. Like by March, I had a, had a plan for a year long international trip with, at the time we only, we knew we had two kids and it was in lockdown that we knew that we found that we had a third one on the way. So we had a plan already for, for international travel for a year. And then we had to set that aside because of COVID and, and all these things. And I was lucky enough to have a job at the time that lasted through and we sold a company and, and it was great. Um, so we were very secure, but it was, it definitely made us pent up. We wanted to leave. We wanted to get out of there. Um, just because we're used to traveling and getting out and doing things and seeing things. And I think that's the case with a lot of people now. And so when we moved from Austin to San Diego, that was in December. And we did, we seem to always do weird things like crazy things in May. I don't know why May, but whatever the reason is spring hit and spring like, makes people buy an RV. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we were just like, I'm done with buying an RV and let's go anywhere and anywhere we can get to on an RV. Like, so if we can set it on a shipping container and move ourselves, like, we'll do that too. Like whatever. But uh, anything we can think of to just get out and travel again. Um, we just like being, you know, we're comfortable with the uncomfortable in regards to travel. And when with kids, we really want our kids to understand and feel empathy towards other people in other cultures and that's what travel means to us. Like, that's so important for us to be able to share that. Like, I don't know, there's generations think that 
just didn't get that opportunity and don't have the empathy um, of seeing other people in other places and how they live. And to me, it's so important to that, that it changes who you are and, and how you perceive the world and how you treat people. And so uh, we want to give that to our kids like badly, so much so that we're even willing to say that if we travel across the United States and Canada and Mexico, that that will also change their, <laughs> their empathy levels. I don't know how much culture we have here in the United States in terms of like differentiation, but we're going to find out. I think yeah. I, some, right? You know, kids only know what they grow up around. So mm-hmm. you know, I grew up, I never left the country till I was 21, but we did drive from Chicago to Florida. And just that change and seeing mountains, and seeing, you know, swamps and palm trees and stuff. It was like, oh, it is eye-opening to, to mm-hmm. for a kid to go, oh, I wonder what it's like to live here. And there are other ways to live. Right. And people just live here. Okay. Um, right. You can live on a beach. I didn't know that. You can live by an ocean. And I was determined <laughs> to live near one one day. And I did. So, And here yeah, you are. You got to take kids out to, yeah. I always encourage it, to take kids out of there, what they know. You know, their their minds are only yeah. going to grow and that's a good thing. And that's it. And we have friends in Canada. So not that, you know, Canada is that, that dra- drastically right. different either. But, you know, there's something to be said there. And there's, like you said, there's mountains and there's lakes and there's you know, oceans and there's all kinds of other scenery to see. Um, I am excited. I've never been to Mexico. I could literally like, I could put on the mall down here and I could throw a rock over the you're, fence, but I've never been like to Mexico. You're like 20 miles from it. <laughs> you're literally like 20 miles I know. from it. You've I never know, been I to can, Mexico yeah, they, ever. Yeah. They probably dug, dug a hole under my house, and I don't even know about it. Like I never know. This I know, is amazing sad, right? to me. So, yeah. Wow. So I'm I'm bound and determined to change that in the next couple of years. And there's a, there was a chance that even today I was talking about like going down to Baja over Christmas, but but it's that's not happening. But I'm really determined to get into Mexico and like go enjoy and try and figure out that culture and like understand it and just have a good time there. But it's um, great. And it's so huge. hoping to do that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I really want to do that part because it's never been on my agenda. I've never been really been interested in Mexico or even Latin speaking like uh, cultures in general. And I don't know why it just has never been an interest of mine. Really? I'm super interested in Japan's. Yeah. Like huh. interested in all kinds of other places, but just until recently. And I don't know what the difference is, but in the last year or so I've just been really enthralled. And maybe it's just because I've been around people who have been doing that and going there and then coming back, but not just vacations. Like some people I know that have went down there during the pandemic and they lived there for a year and a half. And then other people I know um, now I've gotten to meet some folks who um, live in South America. And I'm like, that's great. That's awesome. And for some reason now I have this affinity towards the people. And I think that then draws me to the place. And so now I'm just probably going to end up living there. It's probably one of those things, you know, living in America and especially living out West that you just kind of figure in Mexico, Mexican culture and everything is so around us all the time. Mm -hmm. You know, when you're thinking of traveling, you, they go, I, you know, I, I want to see something way out of my zone you know i yeah you know mexico kind of comes to us here in california we don't really need <laughs> but true true so people yeah. yeah if you don't need to and the weather's great here and you're, you're in probably the city with the best weather in the country so yeah. i mean i get it um but when you you really start to dig into mexico you realize how varied it is and how like one yeah. region is completely 
completely different from another. The food's different. Mm. The um, the weather is different. You know, it's just it's interesting. So it's uh, that's but, cool. Yeah, it's just, it's just something that's always and the food, of course, is amazing. So that helps traveling. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, for sure. That's no, great. So what? Uh, we'll do a speed round here before I let you go. You mentioned you went to Japan and you always like oh, you know, Asian no, cultures. That's on my bucket. That's oh, on, it's my on your bucket, bucket list. list. I haven't been. Okay. Yeah, I really Where, want to go to Japan badly. So give me some of your favorite countries you've been to that you could always return to. Um, I could go back to France any day of the week. Um, I It's probably prototypical, but I, for a large, lot, lot of variety of reasons, I could go back to France. And I think part of, part of that is I wish that I had have a more experience in other countries in that general region. I don't have a lot. So that's, that's the thing is like, but um, I think one of the pieces of the puzzle for me is even though they're like very bureaucratic and whatnot, I kind of like the idea of slowing my mind down and chilling out a little bit. I'm too into the, into the entrepreneurship, like fast paced lifestyle. So I like the idea of like slowing down. They, you know, there's, uh, there's this concept that they, they think before they act. Sometimes they think for like a hundred years before they act, yeah. but you know, in a way I have this like idea of like balancing out how crazy I've been over the last like 40 years. And so I'm like, ah, maybe I'll just sip a bottle of wine and relax. Yeah. So, You're trying to temper be- the American capitalist in you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. A little bit. Yeah. Maybe right. not the capitalist. I still like that part, but yeah, I know, but at least the hustle, at least the hustle. Yeah. Yeah. Relax a little bit. Yeah. You know, sometimes yeah. a good, a good lunch should take two hours at least. I think, I think all lunches should take two hours. Yes. I, I, that's just where I'm at. So. It's civilized. Yeah. And a siesta is not bad either. <laughs> I'm, I'm a big fan of the siesta too. What I, Go to a lot of those countries. I'm fat. <laughs> um, okay, before you touched on it a little bit earlier, but what do you think travel has taught you and how has it changed you as a person and how you look at the world? When you can see another person doing life in a completely different way, maybe completely opposite of what you believe, like how life should be done, whatever that might mean, politically, uh, I don't know, like daily life, like you could be living in a, in a grass made hut and doing things very, very differently. And you could say to yourself, I would never do that. Right. Generally speaking, until you meet that person and you see the values that they place on things and the way they live their life and what is actually important, you can start to distill down all the other crap and get to the place where you're like, you know what, even though I I may or may not agree with whether, okay back up. I might not actually fully understand or be able to, to do life the way that you do life. And uh, secondarily, I might not be, I might not be willing. I might be completely opposed to doing life in the way that you do life. You could have either of those two scenarios. One is not even possible. And the other is absolutely, I don't want to, but when you travel, you're kind of forced to reconcile that with your own opinions and your own way of life and your own way of doing things and realize that how they do life is fine. Like they're getting along fine. They're doing that. And not only fine, but they like life like that. And what they value is different than what I value. And I think the thing that changed everything for me when it came to travel was to realize, and we say this and we, get, we placate each other with this, but like what you value is different than what I value. And I don't think that that really sunk in until I started traveling. And I realized not 
like the extent at which values are different for every single individual. I don't think I really got it and, until I started moving around and, and seeing different people in different places. And it's a it's way outside of the words, right? You have to have done it and then get it and go like, oh, yeah, they're cool. Like, they're fine. I don't agree. I mean, I agree with the other side of the aisle or whatever, that whatever political spectrum or, it, or anything, any spectrum, right? I might not agree, but they're fine and they like life and they're they're great right? They're doing life well and they enjoy it, even though I'm doing the exact opposite thing and I enjoy it too. So my opinion about how life should be done is just BS. Like it's, it's nothing, right? And so everybody with their own value systems, I think understanding what those value systems are now is kind of the next step. Like, first of all, like recognizing it and be like, holy cow, like truly everybody is very, very different in how they kind of do life. And then, and then secondarily, like really trying to actually understand that, like to not just like surface level, but really getting, why do you do what you do? What is it like, what is it that keeps you getting up in the morning and, and doing it this way or being this way or living in this place or whatever? Like, I can't, I don't even understand anybody who lives in Kansas. Like it doesn't make any sense to me, (laughs) but but, you know, like I want to go sit there and like talk with the farmer who's been doing it forever and is living through tornadoes and like the hard, you know, life of farming corn. I don't even know if farming corn is the right term, but like whatever, like, <laughs> yeah, right. like, and he can't, I don't know, but yeah, he can't understand how you live here. You no, know, how do you yeah. deal with all that yeah. traffic and the craziness and the, <laughs> but I it's just it. different things that we value, right? We place priorities in different places. And I think what's really cool is to be able to sit there and understand and talk with people and say like, how, how does this work for you? Why do you, why do you do this? And I might never actually fully be able to realize everything about it, but to spend a few moments with people and, and hear it and think about it. It's like, I just, I think the next person you see down the street, you think of them differently. Like you give them a lot more grace. You're like, Oh, that's another person with completely different morals or opinions or whatever. Like, and yeah. that's okay. Like we're just we're just walking down the street. It's cool. So <laughs> Well, yeah. No, I agree. That's that's great. And you get to pass it on to your kids, which is which is awesome. So um yeah. before we leave, I you can get your your plugs in. Tell us where people can sure. the website and social media and every everything else. Yeah, everything is room steals. So roomsteals.com. Uh, and then of course we're on Twitter, we're on Instagram, but yeah, it, it, and I'm Nate Ritter, N-A-T-E-R-I-T-T-E-R at and you can email me if you want to, uh, mm-hmm. Nate at Room Steals. You can, you know, I'm on Twitter all the time. That's kind of my preferred social channel. So if you want to just chat, DM, like whatever, I'm I'd love to chat with people. So I'm good with it. It'll stay on the line, I'll talk to you afterwards, and then um, I'm gonna check out room steals. That's good. You know, I'm gonna I'm gonna join up, man. I like a good steal. I like a good room steal. So it was great to meet you once again. Thanks again. And it's been a, it's been a pleasure and good luck with everything. I want to check in again, maybe a year from now and how this whole uh, RV lifestyle is going to go. Cause there's going to be some tales on it. that one. I know. Oh, for sure. Yeah. We'll have a good, good chat on that one. So Absolutely. Thanks Mike. Appreciate well, it. Thanks Nate Ritter, everybody. 